0: Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I'm bringing you something a little bit different today in terms of format, but what's not different is my guest. It's none other than advertising mogul and industry expert, Heidi Waldusky. She is returning as my guest to discuss if there's merit to nostalgia marketing. If you're a brand thinking about nostalgia marketing, but you can't determine if your brand has the authority to go there, this is what I do all day long. And a lot of brands are leaning into it lately, so I thought you should know how they're benefiting from the hype and how it can be done well. So let's dig in. Heidi Waldoski is back. She is a friend of Uncooked, and we just keep reeling her right back in. She can't stay away. I can't stay away from her. It's just a thing. It's just what happens when you're my friend. That's a magnet. That's <laughs> a podcast yeah. magnet. Yeah, A podcast magnet. I am drawn to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're here today because you and I, we were just talking about it, just kind of floated the idea of Heidi, what do you think about nostalgia marketing? I feel like it's a trend. People are writing about it. I keep reading about it. And there's like lots of examples out there. And, you know, once again, when I'm reading these things, I think to myself, what would Heidi do? (laughs) (laughs) You know,
1: because that's kind of how. That's a blessing and a curse. (laughs) I feel (laughs) have that rattling around in your head. What would yeah. what would Heidi do? Yeah, I'm gonna get Summer a bracelet
0: Heidi. made like that. What would Heidi do? That'd be great. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. So I'll start with the definition of nostalgia marketing, and then you tell me if you would add to this. But I think it's pretty straightforward because it's talking about nostalgia marketing can be defined as a marketing strategy that banks upon the memories of the past and increases potential consumers by connecting with. Target consumers' emotions and really just focusing on their emotional basis. And it evokes feelings of sometimes simplicity, association, and then with the brand, sometimes loyalty by association. Uh Um, But I think it's the simplicity piece that people are generally talking about and saying, you know, nostalgia marketing, the reason why it's so popular is because the year that we just kind of came through. People are finding it comforting, you know, when they see things like that reminds them from their childhood and they're just like, oh yeah, I feel, I feel good about watching this, you know, retro throwback movie, or I feel good about seeing Pac-Man in this social post with Pizza Hut or something like that. But are you seeing that too?
1: I definitely am seeing it. I think in thinking about the definition, I think simplicity is actually a good word, I was a little stuck on, you know, really relies on evoking memories of the past because I think, well, that's a great traditional definition of nostalgia marketing, but I'm constantly thinking about Gen Z, who is super into nostalgia marketing, but actually has like no memory of (laughs) of that when it happened. And I know we're going to get into a couple of examples. So I think, you know, to me, it's not, unless the brand's audience base is truly like, hey, my core target base has aged, and I want to remind them how great it was. But I don't think that's always the case, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to open up their target. So there's something to be said for, yes, evokes memories of the past, but also like leaning into a simplicity message which is a heritage play like they're just they're like they're being easy it's not a purpose-driven thing it's not a rtb thing it's just a simplicity and i think a lot of the examples we're going to talk about it's about fun yeah which circling back i think is really resonating because of the past you know 14 16 months (laughs) uh when there just hasn't been a lot of you know good times and giggles (laughs)
0: we've been lacking on the good times and giggles. And so we're leaning into simplicity and fun people.
1: Yeah. So I'm already throwing a little like bomb here on the definition, but it really got me thinking. And I'd love, you know, I think when we dig into the examples a little bit more, but I think brands are, I mean, listen, there's so many areas where brands can't play now. Right. So it's like, Are you making a statement? Are you going to upset people? Are you trying to participate in social justice and you shouldn't be? Like, where's your authenticity? And there's so many conversations that are happening that brands don't have the authenticity right now to participate in. And that I think is scaring the hell out of them. I mean, being a brand is hard. (laughs) Being a brand is really hard. So if I were a brand, I'd be like, remember that claymation thing we had? (laughs) Let's, Let's dust that off. Let's dust off the old claymation. Because I don't have to redo my brand purpose strategy. I don't have to try to think about, you know, where I can participate in social justice conversations or a COVID conversation, which is still really important and brands need to be doing that work. But in terms of how I'm connecting with my consumers, maybe I need to go back to basics you know, hence the simplicity message and looking at things that worked for me back in the day.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like you just crave, you just have to ask like why sometimes are we so serious? You know, advertising used to be in the purest form entertainment. And, yes. you know, now the definition has changed and evolved over time all for the better. I think there's layered meaning to it now, but this whole nostalgia marketing concept to me brought back just the thinking of like yeah when did we get to be so serious you know
1: yeah it's really hard and i think brands kind of forgot how important it is to have layers right and we've sort of lost that entertaining layer sometimes like it only comes out at like super bowl <laughs> cuz people feel yes. like that's when it's appropriate like we're going to be hilarious <laughs> and at the beginning of february we're going to be hysterical people are going to love it <laughs> but I think it's important to remember, like, we have to have layers of communication, I think that's like, transformed into maybe channel specific strategy, which I don't think is necessarily accurate. I mean, I think it's, you know, everybody knows, like, how I behave on TikTok is different than how I behave on Twitter versus how I behave on TV versus like, con- you know, contextual advertising, all of those things are still important. where are your surprise and delight layers and how are you showing up in different ways to your audience that don't necessarily have anything to do with channel let's put channel aside for a hot sec how are we layering in different pieces of who we are to our audience and I love seeing that coming through in nostalgia I think sometimes when people even go too far with nostalgia it tends to backfire. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Peanut comes to mind. And I know that's not one of the examples we're going to get into, but sometimes it doesn't work because it's like it's no. too—it's almost it's too much of an effort and it tends to kind of, you know, blow up in their face a little bit. So I love the experimentation with the layers. I think that is really interesting to me. And I think that's what new generations and new audiences are, are grasping onto. It's like, oh, you're not trying to make some big decorative statement. You're just trying to entertain me a little bit. Yeah. And I I can appreciate that.
0: You brought up Gen Z and what do you think it is? Because, you know, about this nostalgia marketing that's actually resonating with them to your point that they weren't even around when some of this was happening. Do you think it's merely, do you think that it's registering like, oh, this is retro. I kind of heard about this. This is entertaining. Do you think like that's kind of the thought process or do you think it's something else?
1: I think there's definitely a retro feel to it. I think rediscovery is a huge part of who they are. Mm. I mean, yes, they are trendsetters, but a lot of the trendsetting I think happens in rediscovery, especially when we're talking about advertising, you know, we're talking about like, you know, the Ocean Spray song that blew up was kind of like, you know, a, a couple different layers. Not only did you have like a classic 80s, 90s brand in Ocean Spray, but then you also had Fleetwood Mac. So like both of those things got a boost. And with an older guy on a skateboard, not a, on a skateboard. <laughs> yes, not a Gen on a skateboard, yes, there's not a general Zer who's technically not even <laughs> singing the words correctly. If you really watch that thing, I'm like, that's like me in my car. I'm like, i ah, ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, getting along, but gives both things a huge love because I think what they're loving is let's take maybe what the older generations have cast aside or forgot about and let's bring it back because we love different pieces of it. So I think it's not just rediscovering the brand, but then like the different pieces of the brand that they love. And there's huge power in that, but I think that comes from their content consumers. They like, they love consumption of different things. And I think that that's part of the process for them. It's like, what's out there? You know, they're like little miners, you know, cultural yeah. miners, not just looking forward, but looking back too. and it's really fun to see what they're finding. Cultural miners. Yeah. I'm going to say cultural miners.
0: Cultural miners. I mean, come on, Heidi, you're just dropping
1: nuggets on here. <laughs> cultural miners. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has said that somewhere. Somebody's probably listened to us, being like, "I read that in an article." I'm, and you know what? I apologize. I don't know. I will take credit for it if it does not exist.
0: Listen, I think you should. It's mm-hmm. fine. I was looking at the rebrand of Burger King. That one, you know, it had a lot of attention. It was clearly, you know, the 35 plus target audience is what was said. But then there's like the classics and classics of a little bit of hipster. So it was like classics of retro and then it's like a little hipster. I mean, you go to their site. I mean, they're really leaning into like oh, yeah. old school color palettes. Pull it up. It's like that baby orangey, you know, 70s looking. Yeah. Uh, they have their own typeface called, I believe it's called the flame. Yeah. Flame. I mean, I think it's really cool. And but what I think is interesting is that, yes, while they're going to attract an older audience, yeah, I think they're also attracting younger audiences with this
1: retro look. 100%. I mean, I am obsessed with that redesign. I mean, I think from a design standpoint, it's just good. It is good design and the agency, they just made a lot of really smart choices. And I think this kind of comes back to ownability, right? And what I love about the conversation, just centering it on design a little bit, is, you know, there's been this like sort of backlash over the years where like, everything looks the same. You know, everybody's really leaned into these very nondescript fonts you know, we're all kind of upping our usability game. You know, we're not trying to be too crazy. We can see everything on certain screens. You know, we're trying to kind of be safe. Everything's blue. <laughs> Everything's whatever. It all kind of looks the same. You know, people have like updated their logos and, you know, cleaned things up and kind of moved away from those heritage logos, which listen, like half of them are probably like hand drawn and it's a whole thing. And you do have to update. Right. But the way that Burger King leaned back into it, I feel was just really smart because at the end of the day, and this is what we would tell any brand, is you have to lean into the things that are ownable for you. Like what is ownable for you? And your look and feel is. And that has always been a major hallmark of advertising is you know how you express yourself visually. And so I think for them, you know, doing a little bit of a heritage play, but updating it, with colors, you know, leaning into, I think, I think their font is, I want to say serif when everybody was going with like non-serif, I'm sure Billy Collins would have much more to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. But really saying, you know, what is ownable to me? And maybe that's what Coke is doing also is like, what are the moments that are ownable to me? So instead of trying to manufacture something new, which can be perceived by a lot of audiences as, it's just, it's artificial. You're trying to kind of create something and package it up and sell it to me as an authentic moment. And it's anybody's guess as to whether the audience is going to accept it or not. Going back into like, what can I own? What is me? What is only unique to my unique, only to my brand? I think the Burger King redesign hundred percent accomplishes that. And then again these younger like they'd love they appreciate design you know they appreciate font they appreciate visual expression so i think it just hits on a lot of those buttons yeah like whether they meant to or not it just it does so yeah as you get to i'm really into it
0: <laughs> i think it's really well done i mean even like right down to you know the packaging in store yeah. like the wrappers that they're using to wrap the burgers and and everything but here's what I wonder. So here's where the agency side of my brain goes is, I just wonder, you know, what's the line that you have to toe? Because I don't think I've ever been in a meeting where I heard a CMO say, yeah, I want to like look retro or go back in time and dust something off or every conversation is always around. I want it to be fresh. I want it to be modern. I want it to be. So I'm thinking about that conversation between the agency and Burger King of saying like, so yes, here's your fresh and modern version of retro. Yeah. And we're going to make you maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable by going back a little bit. So what's the
1: line you think? I think the line is just appreciating good design. I mean, that's Fernando Machado's, the previous CMO, and then he just went over to Activision. So it'll be interesting to see what he does there. But my guess is, I mean, my guess is they ran the whole gamut, right? My guess is there's a full exploration of, yeah, there's something blue. (laughs) Here's something coming out of a space. (laughs) Here's your your hot syrup, whatever. But if I'm them, um, I mean, listen, Burger King's is no stranger to heritage. I mean, it's like the, the king and it's not the king and there's a thing and it's whatever. But I think. Yeah, I mean, that's right. It's the, I mean, that whole plastic looking king guy. Right. But I think my guess would be, you know, if I'm that CMO, I'm like, listen, I want a foundation that we can operate from, that we can do lots of different things. I don't want it to be about the king. I don't want it to necessarily be about something new. Like I want the attention. I want as much, I want to create a canvas, a solid canvas that any creative ever can play on. And that starts with design that starts with like your visual representation of your brand. So I think for them to take that step and just go end to end, and now they can go do anything. Now they can like, create a new character if they want, or they had their moldy whopper, or they did, you know, they did a whole thing, and it all rests comfortably. And this visual expression. I just want to give credit. It was Jones Knowles Ritchie Creative Agency.
0: Nice. Shout out. Way to go. Way to go. Shout out. Nice job. Here's another one that I'm not sure how I feel about it. So I'm also a fan of the Burger King rebrand, as you are. This one is not a rebrand, but it's about Domino's Pizza resurrecting their 80s brand icon. And if you remember, that was the Noid. That character. Yeah, the Noid. Do you remember the Noid? You know, I didn't by name. So when I read it, I was like, The Noid? I don't. Uh, so the, but then when I looked at it, I was like, Yes. So I remembered visually the character, but I didn't remember that he was like a menace and he was trying to impede delivery to houses. And that was kind of like the whole thing back in the 80s. So they resurrected that because they were doing autonomous delivery. And kind of they said that they were experimenting with, you know, autopilot cars and delivery in all kinds of other driverless fashion. And then the Noid was supposed to, you know, made its way into the TV commercial trying to impede this drone-like car-like object to delivery. Now, what they've done since the 80s is that they've made this Noid character a little more human-like which is a little bit creepier than he ever was Mm. yeah
1: yeah i kind of missed the claymation yeah um i think i remember him getting splatted (laughs) if i if i dig deep in the brain cells yeah i think there's something so that's interesting right
0: i just don't know how i feel about that oh and wait i'll also add by the way so the fact that He's kind of a creepy looking character and all that. But putting that aside, there was also like scandals associated to him and like some bad press. So that's the other thing? So Were we're the people at Domino's, were they just like, we're just going to ignore that part and we're just going to dust off this character?
1: Right. Because actually, as I was reading the article, just for the audience, I guess there was a man who also shared the last name of Noid and was convinced that the Noid character was a message from Domino's. Mocking him. Mocking him and telling people to stay away from him. His actual last name was Noid. And it all ended a bit tragically. We won't go into it. I mean, you can read it, you can read it on the internet, which is sad, right? So yeah. it does create this little rabbit hole of information. And it is interesting and it's a little bit of a dangerous territory because, you know, a group of people could decide that this is now their issue of like, how could you dominoes? How could you do this? You know, mental health is a problem. How could you even bring back something that's associated with whatever? And like, yeah. they're not going to know until that happens. Like they could be fine for six months and then someone could decide, hey, I didn't notice this before. Hey, dominoes, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. Now that aside it's it's interesting that they're using this character right because when you look at pizza advertising it's all like a little sort of the same right you can only have so many shots of like the rotating pie <laughs> <laughs> you know Or, like, this is how fast our employee can assemble, you know, yeah. 500 pizza boxes or whatever. But there's no ownability again to that, right? You can't even really talk about delivery times because there's DoorDash, there's seamless, there's whatever. Like, nobody cares anymore. Everyone's like, yeah, I push a button and it gets delivered. Like, what's the up Push button. So, you know, again, going back to ownability, like, there's nothing ownable. So, a character play makes sense, especially when you're pairing it with driverless delivery. And then I think they've turned him into a character. They've made a partnership with King, which makes Candy Crush. So they've turned him into a little character in a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, so those things make sense, I guess. But it is a little bit of a It's a little risk. It's a risk.
0: Yeah. How do you make that call? Yeah. You know, it's uh that's a tough one. Yeah. Especially knowing that there was a little bit of baggage associated with them. But I mean I guess the fact that we're talking about it, Heidi is really the reason why they're doing it. You know what I'm saying? I guess so. So I mean, hook, line, and sinker right here.
1: I guess so. And then it goes back to the branded merch. I know we talked about branded merch back in our other podcast where we just giggled the whole time. Yes. To the delight of many listeners. And
0: um, it's a whole... A lot of downloads on that (laughs) podcast, by the way. True fact.
1: True fact. makes me feel good we're really big in Russia. oh we're big in russia mm-hmm. the russians they love advertising they do i actually i'm, I'm always fascinated we, we were having this conversation when i was at ad age huge global audience people tune in mm-hmm. from everywhere advertising is just a language that people love to speak it's universal yeah. if you will jack but um yeah the noise hat a merch sweatpants socks yeah it's a gold mine.
0: So to your point before about brands asking themselves the question of like, how do I surprise and delight my consumers? And, you know, this seems to be one tactic that a lot of brands are using. Do you think that every brand has the authority to go there or do you think it's only certain
1: brands? I mean, this is a great question, right? Is it really the brands who have spent the decades building the audience so they actually have... Decent nostalgia to return to, right? So if I'm looking at a lot of these startup brands, there's no nostalgia play. It's like, remember when we launched in 2011? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remember way back then. But I think you know this is part of the reason too. You know, for a long time they're like, you know, like 10 years ago, like advertising was getting like a really bad rap. Everyone was like, as oh, advertising, oh. Right. And I think these nostalgia plays really remind you, like, just how much. Advertising is part of the fabric of our lives, which I literally think is the tagline from a commercial as I'm saying it. (laughs) The fabric of our lives. See, I can't even speak without speaking advertising. (laughs) And it's not just because I work at it. So. You know, You're so right. I think it it, it, that is a tagline. But go ahead. You know, we've we've now been consumed by advertising for what I mean, it's like really the heyday. Let's just let's just generously call it like six years, conservatively speaking, Maybe, pr- probably right. longer than that. But it is a cultural footprint that we're all stepping in. So it just makes sense. Just like a song brings back a memory, now brands are like, I can bring back a memory too. Yeah. And of course they can, because this is how we have thrown up. So I think if you're a brand exploring it, you just got to make sure, like, what am I recalling? What time period am I recalling, you know, and does it feel authentic or does it feel like I'm also trying to gloss over something like maybe a little bit in the, in the dominoes example, like, yes, you're recalling it, but are you also trying to gloss over something at the same time? That's a real tricky point. Yeah and I'd like to see it for more than just like foods.
0: Yeah, I would
1: too. I I would, I would
0: so so if anybody listening is working on a brand and you're a brand manager for something other than CPG, let's say. Yeah. We would love to see some more nostalgia marketing because I think to your point I think we should like stop hating on advertising and really just start to, you know, take it for what it is and enjoy it. Because I think you're right. It has the role to shape culture. It always has. Yes. You know, so people have to stop hating on it.
1: Stop hating on it. It's the greatest anthropological sociological experiment of our time. You can't get away from it. (laughs) It's all around you. (laughs) I mean, I feel nostalgic just even having this conversation. It reminds me of my old agency days. See? Sitting around the pitch table, singing pitch songs, singing little ditties. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> well, Heidi,
0: <laughs> I appreciate you and I always appreciate your perspective. And is there anything about this topic that we haven't covered that you want the audience
1: to know about? No, I mean, I think, listen, get out there and enjoy your brands. Get out there and enjoy your brands, people. But I think it's just play, have fun. We keep telling brands to be more human. What could be more human than be play? So just That's it. play, guys. Drop the mic right there. Thank you, Heidi, I appreciate
0: mm-hmm. it. As usual, we laughed a lot, but here's some key takeaways if you're considering nostalgia marketing for your brand. Remember that brands, like humans, have layers to their personality. Even the most serious brands have a lighter side to them. It's about first defining the layers of your brand personality to ensure first you're not trying to be something you're not. And then it's about context, the context of where this nostalgic layer can show up for you. And that could be among your brand communication in terms of, are you going all in with a redesign? Is it a campaign idea? Or is it video content celebrating an anniversary? Figuring out the right context really makes it an ownable moment for your brand. And while you're exploring the path of nostalgia marketing, the watch out here is to ask, what else are you recalling? We need to be careful that the brand moment that we're conjuring up in people's minds aren't also associated with some negative cultural moment that happened during that time as well. So moments such as a major war or civil unrest or other negative associations. Again, context is everything so once you land on the brand moment, just research what else was going on during that time to save you from backlash. I mean, the reason why nostalgia marketing is popular is because we like surprise and delight. Recalling a simpler time has a place really deep within our subconscious and it just delights us when it pops back up unexpectedly. And yes, having a brand purpose strategy is important, and having a point of view on equality and social justice is important. But after the year that we just had, we are all craving just a little levity. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, Chief Strategist of Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. If you want to learn more about the type of brand strategy work I do, just visit brandcrudo.com. I want to thank Heidi Waldusky for her perspective, as always. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. Thanks again for listening.